Spreaders, and welcome to The Spread. I'm your host, Kaz. We are on episode 72 of season four. This particular episode is the third one of the Spread Fest series, and it is Your Questions Answered. for joining us once again. I forgot how much I absolutely enjoy podcasting. So I'm strapping on my consistency bootstraps to bring you guys more content. In the meantime, I'm joined by the world's finest sexpats and educators from around the world to answer your questions. Please forgive me, but I feel like my microphone was the worst sounding of the group, so I apologize if the sound offends you. To start with, allow me to introduce you to the panel. We have Nana, all the way from Ghana, who writes across genres, including creative nonfiction, short stories, and essays. She is the co-founder of Adventures from the Bedroom of African Women, an award-winning blog that focuses on African women, sex, and sexuality. Her nonfiction book, The Sex Lives of African Women, will be published by Dialogue Books in July 2021. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, and I met Nana on the interwebs and then uh, met her for the first time in person in December in Ankara. Thank you so much for being a part of this. We also have Tayomi, a certified sexologist, authentic tantra practitioner, and international pleasure coach with nine years of experience in the sexual health field. Tayomi currently serves as the residence expert and seminar coordinator for the Exotica Expo and is a member of the National Coalition for Sexual Health. This is actually where I met Tayomi in Miami during Exotica. And I was so intimidated, I might add, because you were so tall and I was a little girl and I was just so overpowered and overwhelmed by your presence. I was just saying, hi, hi, madam. Looking up at in everything, like oh, I think I had on like six inch platforms too, so I was like super tall. Yes, yes, yeah. And your presence—I mean, your presence is really beautifully energetic and overwhelming, but also in a really inviting manner. So I felt really comfortable with you immediately. In fact, I think that the first day we met was like the night we ended up on the beach, like stargazing. Yeah. Oh man, that night was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then I think we saw like a thunderstorm brewing in the distance and it just like started coming closer. It was just like such a beautiful night. Like great way to end exotica it was awesome with about 18 years of experience managing gender and other social justice projects and programs while creating knowledge about women's autonomy and power naike all the way from haiti has a renewed interest for dwelling more on the politics of sexuality and the need to stamp our imprints in the world to agree to never remain silent and to mark the ways we fuck as a celebration of human life naike um and i met in accra in december and then again and I, um, I'm just so happy to have you here. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm honored, really. Seriously. Thank you. <laughs> Lisa is a content creator based in Mumbai. She uses the power of social media and video to amplify the voices of women and minorities and to improve attitudes around sex, gender roles, and mental health in India. Join us this week as we answer your questions and don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and leave us five stars and even a little short review on Apple Podcasts. It's all we ask for you. But for now, enjoy the podcast. gonna jump right in and I'm actually gonna pick a question that came from Instagram um, and the question goes um, is there any practical well, I'm rephrasing this are there any practical tips to have safe sex for non-monogamous bisexuals um, I'm gonna start with you Tayomi maybe you can answer that question safety around um, different bodied sex so I guess I can also include like, like during this time of COVID, I mean, first and foremost, you want to make sure that you know what your partner's STI status is. That's the most important thing and make sure that they have a test as recent as three or six months 
And it also is determined by how many partners they have had in that three to six month span. If someone is a non-monogamous, then it's definitely safe to assume that they have multiple sex partners. Um, and then of course, that partner's partner has partners. And so in really like being able to establish this sexual network and establish safety within that, knowing the status is the first thing. Second thing, think about using barriers. Barrier uh, sex may not be comfortable for some people. Um, so this is why knowing the status is important because if you do decide to take the risk of not using barriers, then you at least wanna know if your partner is either living with or is STI free. And just because your partner is living with an STI does not necessarily mean that you cannot have sex with them and that you can't have pleasurable sex with them. The main thing is to remember to know the status. So if someone is living with HIV, then having a conversation around what is their viral load? Are they taking their medications regularly? And then um, thinking about getting on PrEP. Um, so that way you can reduce the transmission for yourself as well. Um, and I think that we don't talk about that enough. Um, having sex with partners who are living with STIs, there is such a stigma around that um, worldwide. And I think that if we are more inclusive in talking about that, then people who are living with STIs won't feel that they're so ostracized from having sexual experiences. Also, someone living with herpes, you know, it's a skin condition, you guys, and it happens to be concentrated on the genitals, maybe even um, around the anus, and um, it spreads skin to skin. And uh, even if someone doesn't have an outbreak, you could still possibly pass it on. And again, it's just about knowing what risks it poses. And so if someone is having an outbreak and you don't want to interact with their genitals, there are so many other ways that you can interact erotically and sexually that can still be just as satisfying and inspire orgasms without the genitals even touching. So having conversation too around what sex looks like for you and how you want to interact and also um, including digital or virtual play as a form of sex between you and multiple partners. I mean, something like this, Zoom is a safe container. You and all of your pals can be on at one time and play different games like, you know, Simon Says, do whatever the fuck. <laughs> um, and uh, just finding like more comfortable ways to include everybody in a safe container, but knowing your status, considering barriers, virtual play, and really talking about what sex looks like for you, I think is a great way to interact um, with multiple partners in a non-monogamous situation, no matter what body type you have, whether you have a penis or a vagina, you're having sex um, anally, orally, vaginally. It's just all about using those three things as a base and then going from there. Thank you so much for that. Um, is there anyone who wants to add on to that before I move on to the next question? Yeah, I just wanted to like really support what Tiami was saying about us not talking enough about having sex with people who may be living with STIs. Because I think that part of the reason why a lot of people do not even get tested is because they're scared of finding out that they have an STI. And then they're scared that if they do find out that they have an STI, then in a sense, they have to, you know, reveal this to a partner and it will mean that they will have less partners. And so actually, I think the people most in a sense, the people, you know, who make all of us a lot more vulnerable are the people who do not get tested. And so if we can do away with this stigma and if we can think of, you know, the fact that all sex is risky, really, all sex is risky, it's really about how do you lower the risk, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we can, as much as possible, normalize having sex with people who have STIs, then I think people won't have this fear of having an STI and just, you know, rather putting their heads in the sand and not getting tested so they don't know what their status is. So I really love that point you mentioned to me because I don't think I've actually even heard anybody say like that and it really struck a chord with me. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I, I just, I, I see so many people just ostracized out of being sexual beings and it's like the desire is still there. They still want to connect. And I actually know people who live with AIDS who are still having sex and they have thriving sex lives and they have people who are willing to have sex with them. And so I think if we put that forward more, that this is actually a thing happening. Um, and then 
present the ways to be safe in going into those situations, then more people would be less upset and like feeling like they can't be a part of the equation. Yeah, and a lot of these um, questions often come from people who are talking about other people being um, infected, for lack of a better word, by, uh, from a sexually transmitted disease. But there's, it, the people who are living with STIs and STDs are so, um, there's so much stigma around um, their being that they don't come up, that you don't hear many questions for. Uh, you know, I have herpes and I'm trying to figure out how to have se- um, how to have sex with my partner, you know. There's not many of those conversations because it's almost like people who are living with STDs and STIs are bullied into a dark corner where they can't speak, rise and speak for themselves. So yeah. I think um, this conversation is, is interesting in terms of like making it okay for everybody. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah, and I think also it's very important because it's, it brings it to this, um, conversation about ableism, which I find it's like, what, what, what is a, a, a healthy body and, and what is a disabled body or a, a nasty body? And, and that very much is dehumanizing. Um, so I think it's really important to center like uh, the spiritual and the, the humanity in, in sexuality, which is, it's a, it's a human need. Um, it's, it's, it's a spiritual need. And, um, and, and also there's like the whole perspective of sex being, uh, sex is not just penis, vagina. I, I think also there's like the whole aspect of like mental connection and mind games and toys. Toys are mm. underestimated, you know? <laughs> um, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's very Um, especially in times of quarantine. Okay, I'm just going to move on to my next question. I'm going to pose this to you, Lisa. Um, Somebody asked, so my question is queefing. Is queefing normal? Also, how do you stop it or control it? It's happened (laughs) for the first time. (laughs) Queefing, yeah, there's a little unicorn that lives in your vagina that farts now and then. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think queefing is normally um, nothing to worry about. You know, air goes into our orifices and it comes out and sometimes there's a little bit of a noise. And I feel like it's just a funny moment and you and your partner can have a laugh if it happens. Queefs can even happen when you're doing like a shoulder stand during yoga or, you know, um, any kind of (laughs) inversions can sometimes cause it. I feel like it's happened to me at yoga class with other people in the room. We had a laugh and it happens to some other people the next day. I feel like as soon as, the sooner we could all, and partly you guys got to that in a really powerful way with the STI conversation, but I feel like the sooner human beings can just be accepting and unjudging of people's bodies. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's so sad that like a queef could be enough to embarrass a woman so much that she might feel like the guy will never see her again if it's early on in a, in a relationship or if she's, young i feel like as as you grow older you kind of come to terms with with you know the body in a way that is less easy to do when you're a teenager or when you're just having your first sexual experiences but i really think queefing is on the low end of the spectrum in terms of like concerns don't worry about it um i think it's it's really uh just eh you know so <laughs> Thank you for that. And, you know, for people who never understood it, I can understand why it can be, it's like, especially if it happens the first time, it's completely understandable when it throws you off. Like, what was that? <laughs> Does anyone have anything to add to this? So in my early 20s, like, I would queef all the fucking time. And I still <laughs> do. I even queef if I bend down and, like, air just gets sucked into my vagina. And I just push it out. And so I actually went to my gynecologist and I asked her, I'm like, what is going on? Like, why do I keep pussy farting? <laughs> and she said, this is nothing to worry about. This is actually a good thing because it's a sign of vaginal tone. So it means that your vagina is healthy, it's toned, and you have the ability to actually push the air out. And in fact, if you think about air being trapped in any orifice, think about like air being trapped in your esophagus. What does it cause? Hiccups, right? 
which can be painful and it can last for a long time. So keeping air inside of the vagina can create bubbles that can cause cramping, that could make the sexual experience less pleasurable. So the fact that the air is actually escaping, it's making room for more dick. That's it. And <laughs> it just means it just means that your vagina is healthy, it's toned. So it's no reason for you to allow a natural bodily function to throw off your sex game. Queef and keep fucking. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, thank you. Um, our next question comes from somebody anonymous, and it goes, I'm, Nana, I'm actually directing this one to you. How do I have, um, oh, how do I have or engage in casual sex without getting emotionally attached? I am <laughs> laughing. <laughs> <laughs> you directed the to me. Um, to be honest, I think it takes practice, right? Um, <laughs> now, this is just so funny to me. But then for me, you know, I got married really early in my 20s. And part of the reason why the marriage ended was because I wanted to sleep with other people. And so when that marriage ended, I was just determined to have fun and sleep with as many people as possible. But the first guy I had sex with, I actually ended up in a really sort of like long relationship with a person um at some point in time we spoke and we agreed we're not going to see other people or he would let me know if he wanted to see other people and later i found out he was cheating on me right that was kind of like a wake-up call because i had thought i was having casual sex with him but over time i developed feelings for him and so i think if you want to have casual sex with people it can be really hard but you for me you have to kind of keep the sex detached from the emotions you have to be really clear what you're going into what kind of relationship you're looking for um and and to figure out if the other person wants the same thing and i think the way not to get overly attached is, is just to keep it simple to know it's sex not necessarily feel like oh we had sex today so i have to call you tomorrow now we have to be messaging each other every day i feel like the more you invest in somebody the more attached you become to them so if you want to have casual sex without feelings, don't become overly invested. But I think, you know, at the same time, you, in general, I think you also have better sex with people once you have a good relationship with them and you get to know them. So there's a sort of fine balancing act, you know, but I'll just say, don't act like a girlfriend, right? If you're a woman or don't act like a boyfriend. Um, make it about the sex and see other people as well. You know, that's also another way not to get attached. Don't let that person suddenly become your all because I think it's very easy to be seeing somebody to think it's casual. And then before you know it, you're not seeing anybody else and all your energy is towards that one person. So that's what works for me. Um, I'd love to hear actually what the other women on this, on this panel think about that. But that's what works for me. Okay, go? Um, go for it. <laughs> all right. Um, I, think, um, I think, anyway, for me, sex fucks with my mind i think there is something that happens in the mind uh, maybe some biological fluids or something like the better the sex is or the better the attraction is or the most intensity there is the more the spirit and the heart opens to like embrace this person so i think if there's like a need not to connect like that don't be watching no netflix movie with the person and spending too much time with the person if you just want to keep it with the sex and i'm not talking as an expert because i don't really know how to do that i get like really serious mind attractions and it's already i'm already fucked <laughs> you know um <laughs> uh, but um if if someone i would say you want to have sex and not have any kind of connection don't be spending no time going to their grandma for like macaroni and cheese. Just don't do that. You know, <laughs> just fuck, have a good time and get the fuck out. That's the best way to go. And yes, and then fuck other people too. Because if not, it's just going to happen because it fucks with your mind. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Tell me. I'm in the belief that it's actually quite impossible to not experience emotions when you are having sex. Because if you think about sexual reflexology, you know, if you're going deep and you're hitting the cervix, that's the heart chakra. So um, when you're having sex, there are going to be emotions that are going to come up. 
the main thing to remember is one, the body has a biological response to sex where all the feel good loving chemicals are released, right? Serotonin, oxytocin, dopamine. So in the moment, you're already going to feel like, oh my God, I love this person. You know what I mean? Um, but having the emotional intelligence to be able to differentiate between what's biologically happening and what's really happening in real time is really important. And also if the emotions do come up, like let's say you're like, wow, I'm feeling really attracted to this person. Like I'm, I'm feeling like I have feelings for them. Sit down with those emotions and be like, okay, what is this really? Um, because it may not be that um, you actually want to be with this person or be connected to this person. It could be just something that's coming up within your emotional field that you need to work through and being um, in combination or in union with that person just opened up Pandora's box inside of you. And it's something that you have to work through and work on. So separate yourself completely, because if you stay connected with that person, you're going to make the mistake of thinking that this is an attraction that is supposed to be explored. And really it was an attraction just to like bring up something in you to be healed. Um, so, you know, we talk about like tantric sex and all of that, and we talk about like the spirituality in sex, but we rarely think about how it's actually affecting the spirit body and what it's doing for us as far as uh, emotional release. So um, if you know you are a person that has a tendency to latch on or attach yourself to people emotionally, then maybe you shouldn't be having penetrative sex with them. Maybe you can have a sex that's less connected body to body, and it can just be some virtual play, or it could be neutral masturbation in front of each other, or it could be some form of BDSM or kink, something to explore. But, um, you know, I'm a person where it's easy for me to detach because I've been having casual sex for a very long time. So I could be like, all right, that was a great fuck. See you never. Um, I, I've had some, you know, plenty of, of one night stands or one time experiences and it doesn't phase me either way because I, I know why I'm going into the experience. So if you become very clear about what you're using the sex for, is it because you're trying to catch somebody or is it because you're just trying to have a good time? Setting those boundaries and standards is important. And just like, like, like Nikkei said, don't be trying to go over to grandma's house for mac and cheese. Like, don't be trying to get close to friends and family and stalking their Facebook page and stuff. Like, have the sex and let it go. Thank you, Tayomi. Um, another thing I like to tell people, people who do have any kind of like intimate interaction with people and know that there is a chance that they're going to fall for the person. I mean, those people know themselves. It's like a thing that happens to them often. I know that if I fuck this person, I'm going to fall for them. So I, I would say if you know that you're that person and you're trying to get into a sexual entanglement with somebody who <laughs> you know you're going to fall for, but you don't want to, don't fuck them. Just don't even have a drink with them. Just like admire them from afar and go home. Go home. Cash, you already know those drinks are going <laughs> to lead to some shit. Those drinks are gonna open you up and get you loose. Ah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, I'm gonna move on to my next question, Lisa. I'm gonna direct this one to you. Um, how do you somehow get over the fear of letting go during sex? I think that um, being able to feel comfortable, truly comfortable in yourself during sex is something that often takes a little bit of time. Um, and so I do think at some level, just by you know, having sex when you feel like it with somebody who you trust and, you know, where the experience is really positive, um, can really help in subsequent experiences for it to be easier to let go, like in everything in life. I feel like, I feel like without sounding like you, like I'm saying, you have to have lots of sex to let go during sex. That's not what I'm saying, but I think you will find it easier to let go, um, you know, as you, embark further along on your sexual journey. And I think there's so much baggage. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I guess we have a very global panel and you know, cultural context can be so different in different parts of the world. But at least in India, I feel like uh, sex is sort of presented so differently to men and to women. And with women, there's such an emphasis on how your desirability is you know, primarily going to be based on how you look and how big your boobs are and how big your asses and how small your waist is and I don't know all of this stuff where I think we end up feeling like sex is some sort of talent show performance um, and we end up kind of 
instead of enjoying the moment, worrying about how we look or taste or smell or whether we're mourning correctly or whether he's having a good time. Or, and I think it's not quite, I mean, of course, there's also insecurities men have, I'm sure, around penis size. That's like one of the most common questions I get on my Instagram and stuff like, does penis size matter? I think porn has done a lot to, to uh, create unrealistic body expectations in, in both genders. But I think for women, it's even more uh, in terms of just your early sexual experiences being difficult for you to focus on your pleasure and constantly worrying whether you're good enough and whether you're, I mean, we're worrying about whether we're good enough. I feel even outside of the bedroom, that's just like the, the um, unfortunate sort of, it just goes without saying for women. I feel like society just makes you feel like you're not good enough, not good looking enough, not, you know? So I, I, and I think that bleeds into the bedroom. Sorry, I feel like I've given a very long answer, but I think it's important to put yourself first as well. Like not only worry about whether you're pleasing the other person, but rather also investigate your own pleasure privately. Masturbation can be really helpful, I think, in this, in, in feeling more comfortable with your body and understanding your pleasure better and being able to communicate your needs to your partner. So often women don't even know their own anatomy. Um, I think in India, if I were to give a diagram of a vulva, most women would not be able to accurately label it. Um, so, so yeah, I would say get to know your body, get comfortable um, by masturbating. If, if you have that opportunity, I think it really helps a lot. And then hopefully you have a partner who appreciates you for who you are. If you don't, if your partner makes you feel like you're unattractive or, you know, like he's, I think that that's really toxic and you should consider um, looking at how you can exit a relationship if you're with someone who makes you, who makes it hard for you to let go. That part. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lisa. Does anyone else want to add on to that? Um, but everything Lisa had said actually resonated with me. Um, and I think I agree. I, another, I think I completely agree with you. You know, we live in a world that has socialized women to, think that we need to be perfect. We need to have particular body shapes. And so confidence is really just trying to get society out of your head and out of your bedroom. And I think that takes time. I think even women that are considered very beautiful, you know, probably do not feel beautiful. So yeah, I think it's one of those almost like fake it till you make it situations, right? Where mm -hmm. even if you're not feeling confident, act like you are confident and, you know, maybe affirm yourself and and just try and over time it will get better yeah i think tayomi was making the point that um i mean I, at least that i think that was that was what she was about to say that physiologically the vagina is going to um, loosen up and lubricate much more likely if you're feeling safe and feeling like you're in an environment where you're safety mentally and physically is in no way compromised. Um, and that's interesting. I feel like the likelihood of you being able to have sex <laughs> comfortably is actually physiologically contingent on how you're feeling. And that's, that's worth remembering. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I think even just, um, and this is a very general thing to say, but as women, we um, sometimes get into, into situations and, and deny our instincts when our instinct says to us that you don't feel safe in this space or you would much rather not be here. We ignore that thing because we think maybe um, it would be cool for maybe I'll get some street cred if I sleep with this person or maybe I should just do it because, you know, for whatever reason that that's the stupid voice in your head tells you that you need to sleep with somebody beyond your comfort. So that also plays a big role in just like, you know, making your vagina happy because, and then you carry guilt several days later after a sexual experience, which you know you shouldn't have been having. But go on, Nike. Um, so what I was saying is, yeah, to, to go in the same, um, like, same space that we're all in, but just adding something a little um, more, it's just like the, the, the whole definition, uh, social definition of sexuality also, it's so loaded. Um, it, it just becomes this thing that, um, it, I, I, that needs to be destroyed, I think, because at the end of the day, sex is, is just is the way adults play. You know, it's, it's just a different trampoline or um, it's just a different communication model. And it needs to be de-dramatized. Um, it, it's, it's, not, it's not all that serious. And I think the whole um, 
clingy and discomfort it comes from like this big mountain sex thing that needs to be done a certain way then then it becomes something that is no longer for us and by us it becomes like something um dangerous spiritually i'm not even talking sti or whatever safety i'm talking dangerous for the mind because if it becomes so intense and and hard then fuck it, right? And uh, because it's 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 that's not what it is. It's 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 the it's the beautiful, powerful thing that your body does. And if nobody was talking about it at all, you know, we would all have discovered it on ourselves and think that it's only our bodies that can do it. So at the end of the day, that that's all it is. It's for for you. So, um, and I think the reason why we can feel discomfort or we have roles or things and we can't let go and let loose, it's because it's no longer something that we discover by ourselves, for ourselves, but something that is uh, given like a bad gift. And I think it's just smash that bad gift. Naomi, you were in the middle of saying something before you got cut. Do you want to finish your thought process? Yeah, sure. My Wi-Fi was just like, oh, enough. Uh, so breathing, you know. The body is tense consistently in the flight or fight response. And so the autonomic nervous system is responsible for sexual arousal and you can hack it. You can hack it by deepening your breath. So even before you get into the sexual experience, really like checking in with your mind and checking in with your body because your body is intuitive. So really check in with what's going on in your environment. You know, what is the temperature like? Is there something that's stinky? in the room and maybe it's throwing off your your sense of smell is the light too bright or is it too dark in the space do you need some candlelight or some ambient lighting to really like stimulate those senses do you need to you know spray some air freshener in the room so that it feels good do you need to clear clutter out of your space so that way visually things look a little bit more comfortable do you need to turn up the heat or turn up the air in the room these are all things that really can play into your comfort level in sex and then also just taking the time to breathe if you sit with yourself in a simple meditation just with your spine straight and you take 10 deep long breaths into your belly instead of breathing into your chest which is very shallow breathing breathing into the belly expanding the diaphragm filling it with air it allows you to switch your autonomic nervous system from the fight or flight response into the rest and digest response which then tells your body on a deep cellular level relax if you can even deepen it and go further and do 21 deep breaths instead of 10 then you're going to be in a more relaxed state and then once you're there, you can also do the same deep breathing exercise while you are in the session with your partner. And I think too, like a lot of the nervousness comes from not knowing your body, not knowing how it responds, and also not knowing how to communicate to feel like your pleasure is going to be placed forward to your partner. So if you don't feel empowered in being able to communicate with your partner, Highly suggest that you have a conversation before the you even have sex. So that way your partner has a roadmap to your pleasure. They know exactly what you need to feel comfortable. And then you don't have to worry about the most. It's just personally clear about you and the experience. You already know you set your, you set your boundaries. You've maintained your space. And then also, you've done the inner work to calm down whatever fears People or things are going so on in your head easy. before you even get into that space. So don't they underestimate the power so of deep breathing. Breath is the seed of life. They you bring oxygen into your body. You also cultivate your chi, your life force energy, from when you breathe deeply. But they don't know me. Thank they you, don't Naomi. know me. And breathing is so essential in so many different aspects of your life when you're feeling a little bit anxious, when you're having uh, trouble sleeping at night, those deep breaths, I mean, they say such a big part in your, in your daily life, so I think it's important to always keep that in mind. Um, our next question, and I think, uh, Nana, you can take this one. I'm not able to orgasm. Um, anymore when my boyfriend goes down on me what do i do to reconnect again easy breezy 
think this probably gives me more questions, right? I'm wondering if she's able to orgasm in other ways, if she's able to orgasm by herself. You know, because she specifically said, I'm not able to orgasm when my boyfriend goes down on me. So it makes me wonder what has changed in their relationship. Um, yeah, and, and whether whether that's something he's doing differently, whether the energies between the two of them have shifted, whether she's no longer as intimate. If she's able to orgasm in other ways, I wouldn't be so bothered because for me, you'll be saying it's, it's something that's going wrong between the two of them. I don't necessarily something that's going wrong. Um, but then also maybe it's something that they need to kind of switch and not have them focus you so much around orgasm. Maybe they just need to, you know, enjoy touching each other, enjoy being together. Maybe they just need to take, you know, orgasm as a goal completely off the table. Because I think sometimes if you have an, in a sense, goal-oriented sex where the goal is to come, you know, there's that pressure to come and you're missing all of the stops on the way, you know, all of the pleasurable things, all of the touching, all of the kissing, all of the licking. Um, yeah, but this sort of left me with more questions than answers because I'm like, what's changed? Is everything okay between the two of you? Are you able to orgasm on your own? Um, and I think if the person's able to orgasm on their own, maybe they need to look at whether there's something in the relationship, you know, that needs to be discussed and needs to be addressed. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Nana. I, yes, Nike. <laughs> I was just thinking maybe um, this girl had an experience with another girl and now... <laughs> she has been ruined for her boyfriend yeah. <laughs> go ahead also, I, I think there's a, a conversation that like I'm, I'm not a summer on conversation but the research that I'm waiting to see and hear because like my orgasm has shifted so much through the years like um, my body, I remember um, being very young and discovering orgasm on my own, thinking that oh, only my body can do it. That, that was amazing um, because I had no clue that it was something. I thought it was just my body. That was my information. Um, and then um, having sex with men and many men because I thought something was wrong with me because I would never, ever come with a man. Um, not once. Never. And I, I tried you know i hope they're uh, watching <laughs> and then you know having having the most powerful sex with my first um you know the first woman i fell in love with when i was 19 and coming so hard and and, and then comparing it to all the men that i'm not coming with and and then understanding you know i'm not that much into vaginal i'm really into um you know everything, everything that happens in the mind, the soul, the, my spine and all, you know, and then just, I love women. And then understanding that, um, but, and then having kids and then my orgasm taking fucking forever to come compared to like, before it was like ridiculously fast to the point that it was embarrassing. And now it's like ridiculously long to the point it's like annoying at times. Just want to come. Um, <laughs> so there, I think there is something also um, beyond just like belonging and loving and connecting. I think there's something about women bodies that research don't pay enough attention to, because I think if men were having different situations in relation to their fucking coming you know research and medical with the medical field would have paid a lot of attention to like what's happening is there like something that happened that is psychosomatic sorry it's just i'm francophone or is it something that happens when the body shifts with age in um, fluids in um, nutrition uh, stress levels or postpartum, prepartum, like after you give birth, like there's a lot of unanswered question that like, I think also, um, I know the question was directed by one person and we're supposed to give that one person an answer. But I think when a person asks a question, it also is universal. There's a lot of women that goes through a lot of shifts that end with, there's a lot of answers that we don't have. There's a lot of answers that I don't have because like, I don't know what's going on with my body because it has changed a lot. 
So um, the boyfriend and they're not coming orally. Maybe it's because the coming was so instant before and so accessible and it's no longer as accessible that she might be asking herself the question like, what the fuck? Is there something going on? And maybe, maybe everything is good with their relationship. It's just something happening with like stress, uh, quarantine, and conscient shit, money. You know, money gives a lot of stress. Like you see, like, like shit like that. That maybe is just like body stuff. So I think it's just like, I, I want to um, say thank you to this person to like bring this, this question around because I think we can all relate in a way and another. And, and it's not just like to leave you without an answer. It's just to encourage and into like the self-discovery and the paying attention and like your pussy matters, my pussy matters, all of our pussy matters, pussies matter and that to keep on paying attention to like what's going on and then let him fucking eat you longer. Uh, yes, <laughs> is what you should have opened with. <laughs> Thank you, Nike. This week's podcast of the week is the lick. Former Miss Ghana USA and award-winning media personality Agnes Nto, I hope I pronounced your name right, hosts Room Service, a weekly late-night radio show in Accra, Ghana. Each Thursday, she has intimate and humorous conversations with her guests as they discuss topics pertaining to their sex lives and relationships. Be sure to catch these open, honest conversations from a direct... Be sure to catch these open, honest conversations on the direct link in the show notes below. Um, uh, just talking about like uh, bodily autonomy and learning your body and learning uh, and your body more. A question that I get very often, which is actually not one of the questions on the panel today, but I thought um, I, it annoys me every time I get asked, and I probably shouldn't get annoyed because these people are coming to me because maybe they have nobody else. But because it's coming from a man, I'm always very skeptical, and it sounds like they're trying to sexualize my DMs by asking questions where um, the responses are going to be erotic, so then they can use that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so a lot of the questions that I get from men are, "How do I? How do I masturbate? What? What?" What kind of response do you give to something like that? Because a lot of the time I just ignore it. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, maybe this person needs help. But I just feel like I'm not the person to help you. Um, Kayomi. So that's where I go and ask some more qualifying questions. You know what I mean? Because a lot of men do want to kind of sucker you into playing into their erotic fantasies. And so and seeing if they are actually sincere about learning new techniques to deepen their experience and connecting with themselves. Who asked the question like, so how often are you masturbating right now? How do you masturbate right now? Um, what is your breathing like when you masturbate? Uh, what type of source are you using when you masturbate? And so then when you go into like the answers, you don't be as detailed. You know what I mean? Because it's the details that if the person is, is really all about just being stimulated and tantalized and you being a part of the fantasy for them while they're jerking off, while they're reading their DM, then if you come in a very clinical way, then it's not going to feed into the fantasy, but it's still going to answer the question. Um, so, you know, you can just say, well, um, there are some toys you can use if you want to heighten your experience. Here's a list check them out, um, deepen your breathing um, by breathing, inhaling and like moving your hand closer towards the head of your, your um, the head of the penis. And then when you exhale, move your hand down towards the shaft. That's a technique that you can use. Um, and then you just like cut it off. You only give them so much information because if you have a sense that like they're literally just here to jack off, then you don't want to feed into the fantasy. And you can also say, hey, you know what? I don't do this through my DM. I completely would love to help you in a private session. So here's my booking link. If you would like to learn more about techniques that can help you, you know, heighten your masturbation experience, would love to help book a session because if a person wants you to be a part of their fantasy well then at least they're paying you 
um, to be a part of that. You know what I mean? And that's where you, you create a boundary. Cause I get that a lot too. And in just in the way that men, it's like they feel entitled to your body and your time. And so they think they can just slide into your DM and say anything. And it's like, listen, I am a professional. So if you are coming to me and you do want some advice, then go ahead and book a session with me. And I guarantee you, if you drop that session link, it's like, oh, okay, thanks. And then you don't hear from them again. And that's how you know they, will, they were not sincere about their request and actually learning more. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with you not wanting to answer those questions because you're not feeling safe. You don't feel like they're being sincere um, in their inquiry. So if you create that boundary and be like, hey, private session, I don't do this here. Then you can give them all the, the tantalizing tools and they can jack off if they want, but they're paying you. So what does it matter? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so that's typically how I deal with that. And, um, you know, I don't do consultations in DMs. That's not what it's for. You can reach out to me. I'll send you my booking link and you can book or not, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to waste my time in my DM doing that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, Tammy. I appreciate it. Um, Lisa, you had wanted to say something? Um, so it's funny, I get that question as well. And I usually ignore it because I, I mean, I'm not a man and I'm not a doctor. So my advice to men on how to masturbate is anyway limited. But um, what I do find interesting is alongside those questions about how do I masturbate, which is normally a guy just like trying to, you know, start some sort of sexual conversation as, as we were all talking about, I also get, and I don't know if this is an Indian dude thing or whether you guys see this as well, but I get a shocking number of DMs from men being like, please help me. I think I'm masturbating. I am addicted to porn and masturbating. And I think it's ruining my life. Please help me. I literally get at least 10 messages a day from Indian men. And they'll, you know, in India, a respectful way of addressing a, a, a girl or a woman who's roughly your age, but you want to be respectful is to say didi, which means sister. So to clarify that they are not hitting on me and they genuinely want help, like the sincerity of these messages is so um, almost endearing. They'd be like, Didi, please help me. I think porn is ruining my life. I can't stop watching it. I'm addicted to hentai. I, or I keep watching more and more severe. Um, I mean, it takes more and more severe genres of porn to get me sufficiently aroused. I don't think I can get aroused by a woman in real life anymore. Porn has become this like inextricable part of my um, process to experience sexual pleasure. And I almost feel like it's ruining life for me. I get, it is shocking how many messages I get. And I'm not a porn consumer myself. Um, somehow porn has never done much for me. So the idea, and I'm not a therapist. I, I, my channel comes from a place of just, there's so little discourse in India about this, that just as somebody who's genuinely interested and who is doing research and who just wants to start a conversation, I'm, I'm creating content out there, but I'm the first to always admit I'm not a doctor or a therapist. You should go to a professional if you need professional help. I just hope we can start at least talking, making it normal to at least ask these questions, you know? But I don't yet have a good answer to these guys. I've been reading um, about some work around your brain on porn and the phenomenon of internet porn and its ability to act similarly to drug use in terms of the way it can trigger dopamine in your brain and all of this. And there does seem to be a whole movement of men, like, you know, the whole nofap thing. Um, but of men kind of um, questioning their relationship to porn or wishing they could backtrack because they discovered it so young that it's almost like inextricably shaped their approach to sexuality. I don't know. Curious to hear what you guys, what you guys think. I think it is definitely one of those things I see. I have a lot of Indian followers as well. And I see, I get that question a lot. And I think it has to do with like the culture, you know, um, a lot of these people, especially those who are living in like parts of Asia, the Middle East, um, sexuality is seen as something that's really taboo. And so they feel like they have to be undercovers and under wraps. And so pornography is like the one way they can really interact sexually with themselves at least. Um, but then there's like this guilt around it, you know, like they, they, want to feel pleasure, but they feel so much guilt around uh, viewing this stuff. And what you are attracted to is most definitely influenced by the, the content that you consume because it's programming your mind. And so um, when you delve into a world of fantasy so deep, 
you really do become disconnected to what is real sex and how to interact in real sex in real life, especially if you don't even have the sources to even have real life experiences. And so it's such, it's one of those things that is not easy to approach as far as correcting it, because there has to be some other like healthy source that they can reference in order to still receive sexual pleasure um, without it having a negative impact on their health. And so, yeah, I do see that a lot from men who come from like that region of the earth. And I think that it has a lot to do with just like culturally how sex is seen um, within their communities and their spaces, especially if their religion is deeply tied to that as well. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, they have to be willing to do the work too, because it, it's going to mean like trying things that they are not used to doing. They have to like let the ego down a little bit to be able to listen and um, integrate some new tools to help them move through that stuff. I mean, I feel like I can relate a little bit um, to that because um, for many reasons, I mean, personally, I really love porn. Um, and at one point I slightly got addicted to it. Um, I didn't go as deep as to get, get really addicted, but I got, you know, and also because I've had conversation with some, a lot of women also. Um, and it's interesting that we're talking about men in the Middle East and in Asia where it's taboo, which is like almost similar to women. And I think it's like maybe understudied, like what place it, where it, it plays um, for women because women maybe would be less vocal or less looking for, for, for help. Then it would be like a part of the research that is harder to to, to find a hub to explore, because um, I think um, porn is um, way overly related to men consumption. A lot of women consume porn as well, undercover, right? And it does work with um, the shifting the women's mind and then the body, not then the connection, because like, Women, I can talk for women in Haiti or, and not even, because in Haiti, people are so fucking liberated and so fucking not liberated at the same time. It's like a mind fuck. But um, all that to say that, like, in my personal just, like, environment and the conversation, because I'm the, I'm the girlfriend that everybody want to talk to, like, on a one-on-one. -on -one. They don't tell nobody, but I have this and what's everything. And like, whoa, I can have, like, a little research going on. But the thing is, I, I see... And what I usually, the conversations that we usually have, and, and I, I feel a little weird talking about this. I feel like I'm helping some men. I, oh, I'm not into men that much, but you know, why not, right? Because if the need is really genuine. Um, but the thing that I usually I talk to with like my girlfriends is like, where is the fantasy? Because a lot of the time, a lot of people that love porn have a voyeurism fantasy, right? Um, because you're not participating and you're looking or you're um, replacing yourself in the mind with the person doing, but you're not really doing. And what does that mean to you? And then how close can you go in real life, <laughs> you know, to that fantasy that you have in the porn, right? This is a, in the place that makes you feel safe, in the place that makes you feel comfortable in your own taboo, in your own, like, Thing. Maybe you want to go to like a sex party where, you know, you're in the living room and then there's a glass and then you can be looking and then we're with a partner and then you can just hold hand because that's how far you're willing to go, but you get very wet. Um, and, and there are like techniques of like approaching the, the, the forbidden space slowly until you, until you, you know, you get tied down and you have like five people eating you at the same time. Like, you know, everybody should do that before they die. I want to get them to me before I die. But, you know, um, yeah, it's, it, that, that, that's usually how I talk to, because I have a lot of women that, that, that I know that have this issue that we're talking about. And it's not an issue. It's just an, um, a journey, a piece of the, 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 the discovery of the journey. And I think there's, not, there's something really amazing about porn. I love porn. Uh, yeah, porn is great if you consume it ethically. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> so um, pay for it pay yes, for it <laughs> pay for your porn pay for your porn support porn artists and sex workers support black porn artists people of color <laughs> sex workers all about it actually our next Queer panel porn. 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, uh, our next panel is sex work and quarantine. So for everyone who's here, it's got to be our last panel. It's going to be really cool. Um, I'm going to go. I think we have a couple of more, a couple more minutes left before we end this panel. So I have a question from the audience, but I have one last question here, which is, um, I just want to know how you make a small dick work. Any recommendations, Nana? Will you take that one? <laughs> well, I mean, the good thing about me is I'm not obsessed with dick, right? So making a small dick work is really about not being focused on the dick. And what's even better is if the person with the dick is also not focused on the dick, you know? I always say that for me, foreplay is the main play. So pay attention to, like, other parts of my body. Pay attention to all parts of my body. Go down on me, touch me, give me a massage, kiss me, you know, finger me. Like, don't make your dick, don't try and make your dick like the, the main dish because, you know, yeah. Um, and, so, and, and so for me, that's the thing to do. But then I also sometimes like small dicks because they are comfortable. You don't feel like you're being impaled or so a small dick can also like do a lot of wonderful things. It's about how you use the dick, like circle my clit with the dick, like use your dick to play with my clit. Like, don't really think don't be obsessed with the size of your dick, right? Because for me, it's really about everything else. Um, I have no issues with small dicks. I actually think sometimes men with small dicks are better lovers because they try harder. And sometimes I find that men who are very well endowed, they're like, here I am. And you're like, mm, nah. That's my experience. Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> Tayomi, you look like you had... Lisa, did you want to say something? No, no, I, I completely agree with Nana that penetration isn't everything and we should, the sooner we come to terms with that and realize that the whole body is up, um, the, the, the better our sex life will be. Tell me. I like what she said about um, men with small dicks being often better, more, more hardworking lovers. Tayomi, do you want to add on? Yeah, because I feel like small is also subjective. Like people are saying dicks are small when they're five inches and five inches can completely touch the entire surface of the vagina internally and even reach the cervix. I mean, the vagina expands to about a good six inches. And then there are, you know, women who can actually accommodate more than that. So I think that also releasing the judgment and calling it small, you know, it's like, okay, it's fun size. And so if you expand your mind around what you can do with the dick outside, I mean, if penetration is not your thing, like you're like, oh, it's not, I'm not going to feel anything. Then expanding your, uh, your ideas around what you can do to incorporate play with the dick. Um, I think that that helps a lot too. And I mean, shallow penetration is also underrated. Um, the G spot's only two inches into the vagina. So, um, as long as he has two inches of dick, he could still hit an erogenous zone um, in penetration. But I mean, also, you know, in what other ways can you play with it? I mean, you can still suck a, a dick that's five inches or smaller. And when I think of small dick, I, I think on the extreme side, I'm thinking micro penis. I'm thinking like as small as my thumb. So if it's bigger than a thumb and you got a good three to five inches, it still can put in work. You just might not feel as much uh, pressure because the vagina is pressure sensitive. So if you are a person that enjoys more pressure and you're like, oh, this just isn't going to do it for me, then, you know, just use your hands if um, stimulating his penis is something that you're actually interested in. And then if you don't want to have sex with the penis at all, then what other ways can you have fun with this person's body and they can have fun with your body They can still make a pleasurable sexual experience without the dick being involved? Like, I just think that the world is way too obsessed with dick size, um, that they just completely negate the other ways that you can have fun with sex without penis being involved. I mean, look at lesbians. They have sex without dick and it's completely amazing. Um, so don't be so obsessed like everyone is I saying over the dick size, like, you know, and two, I, this, is, this is my belief. Why are you trying to make something work that's not your standard? If you know that you like big dick, then why the fuck are you having sex with a, with a, a dick that's not, that doesn't fit the size? I mean, look, 
I'm an equal opportunity employer. My coochie can work with whatever size I get, okay? Because I just know how to work with it. But I know that I prefer dicks that are on a larger size because I like to be stretched out and filled up. That's just me. But I'm not going to turn somebody away that I like and have an emotional connection to just because it's on the smaller side of things. But I think that like women or anybody who enjoys having sex with dick, you need to have a standard for yourself. And so don't go below that standard. Like if you want to wrap the package and it's smaller than what you like, you can just easily wrap it back up and say, it's a no for me, dog. It's not going to work for me. And just keep that, put that, you know, send them on their way without judgment, without like belittling them, but just being like, hey, this is not my preference and we can still be cool. You can eat me out. I can sit on your face. You can spank me, whatever. Um, but I just don't want to feel your dick inside of me. And that's it. And I think that if you have more confidence around expressing that, then I won't be this whole hang up around, how do I make it work? Do you really want to make it work? Or is it that you're just trying to um, uh, please somebody else because you're trying to keep them? You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessary. If that's not your preference, just let it go. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and people understanding that I think people feel so much shame or are kind of locked into walking away from situations so much. So they're always just like, how can I make this work? How can Because a lot of the questions are stemming from people not being able to just like leave, you know, how do I not fall in love with somebody that I'm having a one night stand with? don't have a one night stand with them. <laughs> you know, people are so afraid to detach themselves from these things. I just want to somebody, read. Somebody in the comments said, uh, or a bio dig. I'm like, yo, that's accurate. Like, yes. <laughs> Actually, that was, that was me. <laughs> okay. Nana said just but hey, Nana, I got my favorite dick on deck with me. It's glass. <laughs> it has the right amount of curve. Like, it's my favorite dick of all time. So I'm with that. Buy a dick, carry a dick. Let's go. <laughs> By a dick carrier. I love it. Um, one of our um, one of our attendees said, "Yes, that's so true. I highly appreciate the lover man that comes hundred percent with his Tabasco bottles and all his skills, rather than the the lazy Heinz ketchup bottle lover." Yawn. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're actually running out of time. So I'm actually going to see if there's a way that we can um, answer this one um, question. I have been feeling sexually suppressed in my relationship in terms of exploration and expressing myself, but I'm not sure how to navigate that space. Any advice? Again, that because there isn't a lot of context, I wonder whether part of what has um, sort of caused this sense of suppression is the pandemic. I don't know if that's the case for this person, but personally, I feel like my own just like zest and carefreeness and playfulness has definitely been impacted by the circumstances and being confined to my house and seeing the awful things happening to the people in my country. I mean, relatively speaking, I'm steeped in privilege, but it just hasn't, I haven't been able to feel happy and whole and vital quite the same way as I was able to before this whole thing. So I think um, that know that you're not alone, particularly at this time, I think people's sex drive and, and willingness or desire to be, you know, super sort of exuberant and joyful and, and connected and giving. I think even though there's a desire for it, it it's harder to give. Like I, I kind of want love and I feel like I don't have quite as much to give. It's a, does that make sense? I feel like we're, all kind of vulnerable in a way uh, that's heightened at this time. And so perhaps that's part of it. So don't be hard on yourself. But if you do have a partner, I think it's a great time uh, to sort of spend more quality, intimate time together since you probably can't go out as much. And maybe you're working from home, at least in India, lockdown is still in effect. I'm not sure where, uh, where this person is answering from, but I think uh, asking the question from, but I think there is that opportunity now more than before to kind of prioritize and take stock of what's important in your life and make time for the things that you feel you didn't make enough time for earlier. So if intimacy and, you know, sort of reconnecting with the partner that you're in a relationship with um, is a priority for you now is a great time, I think, to, to, to invest in that. And I think even just eye contact, like scheduling, I'm not scheduling sounds so unsexy, but I feel like requesting your partner even to just look in your eyes for 10 minutes 
makes, at least for me, can do so much to elevate a sense of connectedness, to hold their hands, to look at their eyes. It doesn't even have to be sexual. I think like making time for non-sexual intimacy, but that is deliberate and focused is such a powerful way to um, reinvigorate a sense of just connectedness and attraction. And, and so, I, I mean, I can only share from my own experience, but maybe some of the other people on the panel who are actual doctors and experts have more advice. Um, so we only have um, room for one more person to speak. I do actually. I think for me, the way the question was phrased made me wonder if this person had ever felt like they could be open in a relationship, right? Because I feel like it's really hard to go from being in a relationship where you're able to openly express your feelings to one that you're feeling suppressed. I, what I suspect, and of course, because we don't really know the full context, we're imagining, at least I'm imagining, you know, what I suspect is the person has, you know, blossomed, right? Or progressed in their own journey to like discover their sexuality. And now there's more they want to try, there's more they want to explore but they haven't ever done that with their partner. So it's like, what do I do? Or they're not really getting the space to express how they feel or to try new things. And so I think for me, like a real legitimate question, if you have tried to have these conversations with your partner, if you have tried to, you know, speak to your desires, speak to your fantasies, and you find you're not getting the kind of response you want is to ask yourself if this relationship is one that you want to continue to be in if this relationship is one that is serving you or is it time for you to move on, you know, because sometimes, yeah, sometimes that relationship may have reached its due date, you know, and to really get to know yourself and to really get to express yourself and to really figure out your sexuality, you might need to move on so that you can be free to start afresh. Um, so yeah, I think it's also, I, I don't think people should feel locked into relationships forever, you know? Yeah. Thanks, Nana. Um, just maybe like a quick round of saying goodbye to people before we have to wrap up. Um, but one of our um, attendees actually says that we should do um, an 100 day um, challenge for sex and intimacy, intimacy every day for 100 days. Some of us are single. But before you can, you can still do a challenge when you're single and don't have a partner. I guess the best way to do it is to really like learn about what you like and deepen your relationship with self because everybody always wants to jump to oh well I don't have a partner so I can't do this work and I'm like yes you can what the fuck mm -hmm. um and, that, and that's the main thing it's like you think that your partner is responsible for your pleasure and they're not your partner is an assistant in helping you experience pleasure but pleasure is your responsibility so if you're not doing the work by yourself first then okay I think, um, I actually think we have to wrap up because we have one more panel that's happening in 10 minutes and I need to set up for that. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Nike. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Nana. Thank you, Kayomi. I am so, 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 so blessed to have you guys be a part of this panel. I mean it. Like you mean so much to me, each and every single one of you in different ways. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me. So nice everyone. Bye. Absolutely. And have a good rest of day. Good night for you, Lisa. Good morning for you, Tayomi. Good afternoon <laughs> for you, Nana. Good night for you, Nike. I love you guys. <laughs> love you. Bye. Bye. I won't let nobody else see. I'll let you go inside to the places I want to hide. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. This is the third episode of a series of six episodes from the spread fest 2020 please be sure to stay tuned for more episodes coming soon on your preferred podcast app also be sure to catch my latest video on youtube is something i'm experimenting on and i think it's really fun there's a direct link in the description box as well just click that and don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms we are at the spread pod across the board till next time guys bye